You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more. Today on our show, I'm talking with Candy G. Lopez. Candy, thanks so much for being with me today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. I am too. We're talking about your show at ACA Galleries uh, called Situational Identity, and I, I want to get into the individual works, but let's talk a little bit about the title, Situational Identity, because this is um, it's a very specific title in terms of um, of how you're, you're presenting this work in yourself, and, and it's also uh, a very personal title, isn't it, in, in terms of your, your own identity? Yeah, so I, at the time that I was actually putting the show together, so I already had pieces in mind, and within my work I'm dealing with the presentation of self, how people present themselves, how they have to switch or code switch in certain situations, and it's not just language, but it's also the way that we um, behave (laughs) in certain spaces. So I'm Dominican, um, but I was born here in America, New Jersey specifically, and then I moved down to Miami, Florida, and I grew up here. So there's been situations where as a professor, as a mother, as a daughter, as a friend, where you have to switch up, which is where like situational identity comes to play. But that term came from um, Genetas Candelario's essay of Black Behind My Ears, um, specifically the one where she um, has some research in a Dominican um, beauty shop in New York. Um, And since, like, I lived in Jersey for eight, nine years, and the only people that really have touched my hair (laughs) have been Dominicans, um, it really resonated in me, like, what I was reading throughout the text. And the term situational identity comes from that, like figuring out or trying to understand your Hispanic side and and the black side and the American side and where you fit in in certain spaces and certain situations. And that's really interesting and and really gets kind of complex, right? Because um, you're you're saying the identity kind of shifts depending on the role, like mother, professor, artist, uh, you know, et et cetera. So... um, so as that's being kind of digested or represented, and, and we'll talk about this in the context of the, of the work as well, of course, um, what, what happens between all those layers? Because it's in, in one way, those are, I mean, it is, those are all your identities, but it's that these are different, different types of ways of presenting yourself, right? I mean, in, 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 in my own case, I'm a, I'm, I'm a white man and I, and, I, and I kind of think, you know, I present myself differently, let's say, to, to my parents as opposed to my son, as opposed to um, the way I'm conducting this interview right now. Um, right. But that, 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 that doesn't have nearly, I think, the kind of cultural significance that, that you're talking about, but is it is that is that related? It's it's about how we Yeah, I think so. It's not I just I don't think you know, I don't really know you either. So like yes, you're a white man, but like what's where is your family from? And and if you end up going to that country, do you feel like you are from there? Um, I think that's one of the things that really resi- resonated with me with this text because at times I do feel Dominican <laughs> but at times 
I, like when I go to DR, I'm not Dominican. I'm American, like Americanized. And then when I'm here and I'm with my family, I'm like, I'm Dominican. And then I'm also dark skinned too. So it's just like, I'm also seen as black. And then we have this, you know, issue in Dominican Republic with colorism. It's not just there though. It's like the entire Caribbean. Um, and, and the differences between the skin tones and the terms that they use for the differences in the skin tone, like trying to be more European because that was our conquerors. Um, so th- there's always like f- trying to figure out where you fit in, even within your family or if you go on vacation, like when I go to Europe, am I Dominican? Am I American? Am I black? Like what, like what am I going to play at a, <laughs> in a certain space? That's so interesting. And you're saying um, in, in the Dominican Republic, there's also um, a, a whole a whole nother set of uh, kind of identities based on, on skin tone and history, which is something that is, is completely not understood in other contexts as well, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting. And, and, and so, so like you say, when you go home or when I go home or to, to country of origin, do I feel at home there? Um, that would seem to complicate matters enormously because I would imagine even even there where you're talking about um, different identities within a local culture, there's also... Yeah, even that, like the South versus the North versus the East versus the West. Like, well, what um, body are you from? And, 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 you know, who are the people that were around that? And what does that say about you? And I'm more educated in this part of the country. So I feel like I'm, I'm superior to you. And then skin tone plays into that idea as well. It's just, it's funny, like not being in it, but um, when you're there, it's, it's not, it's not. Right, right, right. Yeah, I would imagine that's very difficult and, and, uh, and, and to some extent somewhat liberating to be, you know, outside the country as, as sometimes, you know, um, you know, some great black writers that have talked about, you know, being in Europe and how it was a very different experience than the American experience of being black and, and, and all the pressure right. on that and, um, that there's also something different about being uh, here. That um, I mean, would, would you is it is that too much to say that it's somewhat liberating being here or in, in New York, Florida? Uh, I don't where? know. I think it's I think it's different. Like you, I mean, I feel like there's a weight here for being colored, colored, um, versus like a weight in the Caribbean for being colored and also like where you're from and where your family's from and like being American or not being American because that means money. Um, I just think it's, it's a, it's a different topic. Right. So let's jump into the the works. These are, um, this is, you know, in part what these works are revolving around. These are, these are portraits and, um, and they're done in a very unusual way. So, um, so, to speak first to the to the portraits as they relate to just what we're talking about, um, that essay and, and, and identity and, um, and 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 where um, where these individuals fit in. 
how do you feel the, the, the portraits? And we can pick one or two just to begin with, but how do you feel these portraits kind of um, fit into those areas? Is it, do, you, do you feel it's, um, I mean, one that I really loved is um, Octavia. Um, yeah, Octavia. Um, Octavia, it's a really, really wonderful one, as, as, as all of these are, but um, that, has a, that has a great energy. It feels like she's almost jumping out at you. And, um, and so when, when you're making these, how does, how does that fit, fit into that identity? Is it, is it more just entirely visual, or is there a kind of a narrative for you behind um, something like Octavia? Um, the narrative is important. It's also visual. Like, I've been creating art since I was 12. I'm 36, so it's been 24 years of making. And even when I was younger, it was still, like, technical, like, teaching us how to technically render what it is that you're looking at. Um, and, and not, like, in a photorealistic way, but, like, this looks like this and it should look like this. So I've always been attracted to portraits because it was one of the things that came easier for me, like figuring out proportions for people was easier than like figuring out proportions for a landscape because that changes while like the proportions for, you know, anatomy are kind of equal. Um, So, and I've always have been interested in representing minorities just because it was a, a way of, um, m- making myself inside of them, if that makes sense. Like they are my portraits, and we did a lot of self-portraits. So I was, I'm like overlooking at my face. <laughs> so being able to like express oneself and and another person um, has always been something that I've been interested in. And this whole idea of like presentation of self came about in grad school because I was trying to talk about swagger and what swagger meant. Um, specifically for my white, older um, committee members who didn't really understand that cultural part of the word swagger. So there was a lot of exploration with, like, race and body language and, and body gestures and fashion sense and this idea of confidence. Um, and then I got questions about authenticity, like, well, are they being authentic when they're performing for you and then this idea of performance came so I was just like this is like really interesting and I can delve into this for like years on end um so the people that I portray are people that I feel like have swagger but but they also um they're vulnerable at the same time because some of them I'm just getting to know and some of them I know but they haven't seen me in, like, the photography realm because I'm usually just, like, laid back or painting. And if it's family members, like, they don't really see that happening. So it's a different, like, they're they're doing a job, and I'm here to help them do that job. So getting them to, like, lower their guard is something that I that I enjoy, too, so I can get the right image. But each person has their own story. There's always a social and political message behind the work specifically with Octavia, like she's the one that decided to wear what she wore and scrouched down like that on the floor, which um, for those that know about the imagery of hip-hop, Little Kim had that pose in one of her most famous um, album covers, and she just so happened to get into that pose and then like tilt her head and her hair is just 
luxury. So it was just, um, I think about those things when I'm cropping and putting the piece together. And um, <clears throat> when you're when you're cropping and, and creating the whole piece, does it does it begin with uh, a photograph or a drawing? Yeah. How, how does that process work? So sometimes it's someone that I um, know, so and they just have an outfit that stands out. So I ask them if it's okay if I can take a picture of them, and so they end up being my models. And sometimes it's like friends off friends off Instagram, where I'm like they have the image that I'm attracted to. For example, um, her Instagram name is is shoot what is it shoot me by Jade or Jade shoot me something like that. Um, and she's a photographer, and her images are so powerful. So I found her because of another friend who I think has swagger. So then we build this relationship. I've met Jade, and she's amazing. So now we have that friendly relationship together. But um, it always starts with an image of some sort. Or I have an idea in my head, and then I find the right model for that idea. But usually it's like I'm taking pictures of people. And then the the next step is of course working on these um, mesh canvases, right? Which which looks almost yeah. like uh, um, <clears throat> I, don't, I don't know exactly what it's called, but kind of uh, what what I've seen used before, or, or maybe not, but it relates to me to kind of um, is, it, is it needlepoint or embroidery that that's done like that on a very small scale? Um, yeah. Like so that? I have. Yeah, I have the smaller works that are on, um, it's called plastic canvas. And yes, they use it for embroidery and needlework. But the bigger ones are um, hook rug mesh, which is how they create rugs on the floor. So initially I started with those because I was wanting to talk about um, police brutality and what ends up happening to minorities within this country. So my image was creating a person, um, a black man, monochromatic, so it's black and white, and he's in this pose, he's looking at you, but he's on the floor. So you as a viewer, you were supposed to go and like step on the piece because it was a political and social message. So it was kind of like a performance work. And then the pieces became so strong that I'm like, I don't really need my audience to step on them because when I create my portraits on the hook rug mesh, there's little holes, right? So that's where you get this idea of like um, needlework and, and embroidery because you can literally thread the canvas through the holes. But because it has holes, I can paint the background. And then if I paint it on the sheet of paper, like the sheet of paper is behind, it leaves little squared like circles or dots so it kind of looks like um a shadow of what i created and and it also goes back to like pointillism so i'm thinking about <laughs> um the history of painting as well and you know there's there's a number of elements that are just kind of so fascinating about this i mean it's it's referred to as as fiber based right because you're Mm-hmm. Um, this isn't this isn't paint on canvas. This is a uh, is it is it a type of yarn you're using? I am. I'm using a variety of yarn. Sometimes my um, followers or people that I know end up shipping me like boxes of yarn. Like if their um, grandparent has passed away or they need to clean out their house and they just have all these bundles of yarn. 
sometimes like Facebook sells them for really cheap or I end up going to the um, Salvation Army because sometimes they have like bagger yarn. But if I need a specific color, I end up going to Michael's and trying to find that color that I need. So it's a variety of different strands of yarn. Well, it's a really cool medium because it seems that there's a couple of things that happen here. Not only does it kind of bring you in closer to to look at the surface, which is, you know, um, so sensual because it's, it's, this, mm-hmm. it's this material that you can touch, that you want to touch, but also it, it, it changes from um, a medium sometimes to when you're, when you're creating laces for a shoe that are hanging there, some suddenly it's something else. Some suddenly it's kind of like a, a relief, a sculpture. Um, do, do you know what I mean? There was to, to me something happened there where it's a little. I don't know if magical is quite the right word, but but a little bit of a, <laughs> a, a kind of a wowing effect where it's it's not it's. I'm looking at a fiber-based work, let's say. But then when, when laces are made or hair, you know, and, and, and you're using the, the kind of looseness of the material, um, it feels like it's the it actual material. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I like that play with yarn. I also like that from far away looks like a painting and people have no idea until they come up close and they're like, oh, snap, it is yarn, um, which, you know, takes it to a different realm. But also yarn has such a history and art versus craft and woman versus man and, um, you know, what's considered high art because of the material. Um, But we've been creating stuff from fibers since, like, the beginning of time. Like, we have to clothe ourselves, keep warm. Um, And there's a lot of indigenous societies that have been mastering um, or have mastered, I should say, this kind of technique, so it, it, like, brings it back, too. So it's not just, like, you know, capturing the audience, but there's a history behind it. And let's, let's talk about um, Lamenting Nikki, because that's, that's the one I was thinking of, um, among others, with, you know, the hair, but also the, the laces on the, on, the, on the right foot. Um, uh, What's, is there a narrative here you want to talk about? Because this is a very yeah. pose. It's, it's really cool the way the material is being used to, to create shadow and light and, and, and more. So I the first lamenting piece that I did was Lamenting Lewis, which is in the, the front part of the gallery, where it's a, um, a man who's colored, who's lying down. Some people say that it looks like he's stepping over someone, but it was inspired by Mantegna's painting, Lamenting Christ. Um, and the background is like a dioxazine purple because that's a religious color. So I wanted to talk about, um, again, like police brutality and systematic oppression within the work. So he's like lying down. You don't know what ends up happening to him. But it also refers back to art history by using Mantegna's, who at that time was the first time that they were thinking about perspective. So making crisis Ooh, right. bigger. Um, and his head smaller, um, and also thinking about color theory within the work. And lamenting um, Nikki, who was an artist that I know, who was also Afro-Caribbean, who's also a curator and an entrepreneur and also has children 
and makes art herself um, is the female version of Lamenting Lewis. So she's like the mirror version of him. So if you put those two pieces together, they form a triangle. And triangles are very significant in, in the history of art and also in religion. So it's, <laughs> it's a lot going on in a piece that you think might just be like, oh, this is a nice, you know, threaded piece. Um, but there's meanings behind all of them. Well, a lot of art history, right, and the, and, the, and the Christ image you're talking about of Mankenya, that was a like really foreshortened sort of Christ, right? Yes. It's a similar scenario where they're laying down, right? And like you said, the head's smaller and the feet are larger, but, but incredibly unusual perspective, right? Correct. Um, yeah, that's, that's fascinating. I'm, I'm, I'm glad we talked about that one. And, um, and one other, which is quite a bit different, um, America does it. This is um, an older work um, of uh, yeah. monochromatic that you were kind of the way you were speaking of before, but it has a, uh, a different kind of depth to it because of the, the background painting and, uh, and, and, and also the, um, yeah, the, the monochromatic quality of it. Yeah, so that's Rohan. He's my husband's best friend, um, so he's part of the family. And um, that was one of the first, ones that I've created, and it was intentionally meant to be put on the floor like a rug. Um, and But it became, like I mentioned, so powerful that they ended up coming up and being on the on the wall. But that was also one of those pieces where I took it and I put it in the um, stairs of the courthouse in Miami-Dade over here in, in Florida and during the time when... Um, we have the murders of, of what ends up happening with George Floyd. Um, so I wanted to make a statement, and the only way that I thought to capture that as an artist is to have that on the stairs and people from the courthouse walking um, on them because of all the systematic oppression that ends up happening within the law um, and how laws are changed and erased constantly to do whatever it is that they want to do to people in this country. Yeah, and that's that. That sounds, in, in a way, so um, so disturbing and difficult to to walk on, uh, you know, something like that, right? Because doesn't that kind of uh, make the the viewer, the walker, feel uh, uncomfortable? Of, well, uncomfortable. A hundred percent. They're also kind of implied in the in the kind of violence that's happening to this to this uh, individual. Yeah, and people are more precious in stepping on not stepping on the work. <laughs> like right. that's a statement on its own too. Yeah, yeah, that's very powerful. Um Kenny, it's great talking to you about this and, and such a powerful and beautiful show for uh, listeners of course. There's more links here so you can learn more and hopefully go see the show um before it closes on October 21st of this year. I want to ask you one more question, a little off topic. What are you uh, reading at the moment? So I am trying to read up on the history of the Dominican Republic, um, but I recently just finished a textbook um, by Jonathan Escoffrey. I think I'm saying his name right. And it's called I, if, if I Survive You, um, and it's based off of a person who's made up so it's fiction that grew up in Miami and it's around the same time that I grew up 
and who went off to college, and it's an immigrant story, so you learn about the other characters in his life um, and the struggles of growing up in the 80s um, in this country with parents that have immigrated here. So it resonated um, It resonated to me. Like, usually what also brings me inspiration are textbooks and the things that I'm reading um, and then looking through their um, what notes cited or works cited and finding out, like, what other things these authors have been reading. And now I have, like, a, hundred, a list of, like, 100 things that I need to read <laughs> on top of everything else that I do. But that's one of the texts that, that's in my head still. So a piece might come from that soon. Well, Candy, I want to thank you so much for talking with me today and for putting together this beautiful, beautiful show. Um, thanks so much for your time. Thank you so much. Go see the show, guys. Hopefully something sticks. <laughs> You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more.